This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Nicole Yang, and today I am joined by Tom Westerholm and Chris Grenham. It is the eve of the Bachelor finale, and also, I think, five days before March Madness officially starts, or the NCAA tournament officially starts. So we're going to talk about some draft prospects and give out some roses to them. I don't think they've even announced a date for the draft yet, right? I don't believe so. Uh, No, I don't think so. Okay, so it's uncertain. I think right now, obviously, things are going to change, both the big board and the Celtics pick. I think right now they're going to have the 17th pick. So we're just going to go through the board in order for the first round. And Tom and Chris are going to give their rose to the prospect that they think would be the best fit for the Celtics next season. So the first group, we have Jalen Suggs, a freshman guard out of Gonzaga. Cade Cunningham, a freshman guard out of Oklahoma State, and Evan Mobley, a freshman center out of USC. You can't really go wrong in this group, but I think it's impossible to not give the rose to Cade Cunningham, just no matter who you are. Even if you know a big point guard wasn't a, a need for your team, you'd still have to give it to Cade Cunningham. He's definitely the best prospect in this class, in a really good class, I should say. Like The top of this class is significantly better than the 2020 class, but Cade's just kind of a no-brainer. He's a really big, versatile guard, three-level scorer who is going to make an impact right away. Like, he's just so, so good. All you had to do was watch a couple of these Big 12 tournament games to see the difference he makes on the floor. So, I mean, court vision, that's kind of beyond his years already. Really smart player. And I'm looking at my notes right now, and under weaknesses, I, I have written out no legitimate weaknesses to be concerned with. I love him. So if I didn't give him my rose, I would be, I'd be misleading you guys. Yeah. You started off by saying there's no wrong answers. And that's like saying that like there was no wrong answer in drafting DeAndre Ayton over <laughs> or, or Trey Young over uh, Luka Doncic. There is a wrong answer. There is. You there is. drafted Luka Doncic and you absolutely should draft Cade Cunningham, number one. And I love Jalen Suggs and I love Evan Mobley. You can definitely say that like all, that all those guys are, are going to be good players. And I think that's very legitimate. I think all those guys are really good, but Cade is like, Cade is like this weird combination of like Lon, and Luca, he's nice. Um, like you said, uh, these tournament games have, have just been incredible. I, I, I just love how complete his game is. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a, he's really big. He's going to be a point guard. He's six seven. Generational talent gets thrown around a lot. I don't know if I'm quite there with him, but close. Like he's really good. He's like a no brainer number one pick in most NBA drafts. So he'll be the yeah. yearly generational talent. That's what he'll be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and more of a generational talent than we've had in a few years, right? Like, 100%. I mean, you know, like the Zion draft. Okay, like Zion's amazing, but like C- Cade's a very, very, very strong number one pick in in almost any draft class. Definitely. I also think it's important to note, like Evan Mobley has been pretty impressive this year for USC, and much better than I think either of us expected coming into the season. 
defensively, he's been really good. Obviously, he is very skinny at the moment, like needs to put on a lot in terms of his frame. But Mobley, I did not fully expect to be up with this group and especially Suggs to be up with this group when we came into the season, but he's, he's been really good. Really good. I thought he was going to be too skinny, but all that said, Cade Cunningham is the easy answer here. Yeah. All right. So the next group is just going to have two players. It's the two G League Ignite stars in Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. I'll give it to Jalen Green. It's tough because for a while there, I had Kaminga a little bit higher and Kaminga, he had some real flashes. Like he was pretty good this year. The comparisons to Jalen Brown are real interesting and kind of legitimate. He's big, he's strong, he's, he's athletic. He can do a bunch of different things. All that said, I just, as the season went on with Jalen Green, we just got more and more flashes, uh, you know, against adults, right? Like against actual NBA players running in an NBA system, we got these glimpses of how he could be like a really special scorer. I think his, I think his shot has a lot of potential. I love how I like, I love how he seeks out contact sometimes. Like he's not afraid of that, even though he's skinny, the athleticism is just so good. And he's learning how to create space for himself within an NBA offense against almost NBA players. I, I I'm going to give it to, to Jalen green. I could see the argument the other way too, certainly. I mean, Jalen is not a good defender and uh, we'll see how that develops. So if, if somebody said, you know, I'd rather take the, the versatile defense and, and, you know, try to develop Kaminga offensively, fine by me. I would give it to Jalen Green. I'm going to run with your latter comments and, and give it to Kaminga just because I like his defensive upside a ton. You know, he didn't shoot the ball all that well in the bubble. That being said, looking at his shot right now compared to what it was a year ago, like it's certainly progressing well. Like, yeah, he's still not putting up the greatest numbers or he didn't with the Ignite, but it's certainly workable. And so I kind of, I have some faith in that. I think his physical build and like pro frame is something you can't really deny. He's pretty athletic. He's a good interior finisher. There are concerns, like you were saying, like away from the ball, sometimes he just looks a little out of place. Like he needs to almost have the ball in his hands to be somewhat effective at this point in his career. But I think you get him in the right system and, and he'll be okay. But I just like his upside a little bit more than Jalen Green's at the moment. If Kaminga can become a little bit of a better jump shooter and find the consistency as a passer, which he showed plenty of flashes of, I think that's really promising. It can be worrisome to have a guy that size be that reliant on like a jump shot because yeah, he can get inside and score inside, but to open up the full pro offensive game, he's going to need to become a better shooter, but I still like that upside. And, and so I'll give it to Kaminga. I think for me, Jalen green has more like, like to me, he's a higher floor, high, uh, lower ceiling, lower floor, higher ceiling, higher ceiling. I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I think Jalen green has like, you know, some real star potential. Like he could be really, really good. I also am concerned by uh, like the Malik Monk potential. Like the comparisons there are a little scary. So yeah. I, I could see it either way. Um, I certainly love Kaminka quite a bit. I think the top five in this year's class is just really, really strong. If you can get yourself in that range, you're, you're getting something good for sure. Yeah, they'd both be number one picks last year. So yeah. that's right. definitely. So now moving on, Jalen Johnson, a freshman forward out of Duke, who actually recently opted out of the rest of Duke's season. Scotty Barnes, a freshman forward out of Florida State, and Corey Kispert, a senior forward out of Gonzaga. This is an interesting group. Jalen Johnson is good, but I mean, there's plenty of concerns there. I'm sure there will be some red flags with the way he, he left Duke. I, I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of offensive upside because I watched the Celtics this year, and you look at their depth pieces and the lack of defensive versatility. And it's really, really bad. 
like really bad. And I watched Scotty Barnes and, you know, he kind of plays his tail off. He's really versatile defensively. His shot is not good. He needs some serious improvement there. But if you can try to mold someone who can already guard all five positions, he's a versatile defender, a really good pick and roll defender. He's got good length and he's pretty big at six nine. He can move well. He plays really hard. I mean, he's not useless on offense. He's a good passer. He's pretty athletic with a strong frame. I mean, I've seen some Draymond Green like comparisons. Like I get where people are coming from with that. Smart player, really good defender. I mean, I don't know. That would just be addressing the Celtics' lack of defensive versatility. So if you want to make a bet that he's going to be able to develop some on the offensive side, then I think he'd be a good pick here. I don't like this pick. I I think (laughs) I have some concerns about Jalen Johnson. Um, He can't create any space at all. You know, his shot looks nice. Um, I don't know if I totally buy it. I don't think it looks bad. Like, I think think it looks pretty smooth. So does my shot, but my shot sucks. (laughs) (laughs) um i like scotty barnes i'm not sure uh how well he would fit on the celtics i think i'm gonna go Corey gispert i mean like he just shoots the thing so well like aaron nice he's so much better than aaron nice so much better so much better (laughs) he's so much better man (laughs) i mean especially if you included neesmith in a deal like if you go out and get Corey gispert and you're getting a much better version of aaron because he could just i mean he could just shoot like his shot is so pretty he's gonna be he comes off screen so well down he's shooting 50 percent going to his right over screens like i saw that stat like that's bonkers so like He's a pretty, he's a decent on ball defender, even though he's not like, a, you know, like a, like a super athlete. Like, I, I don't know, man, I was out on Corey Kispert for a long time and now I'm just, I can't help myself. That's not so. anything to be ashamed of. I mean, he's not going to, like you said, he's not going to kill you defensively. And it's not like, like the concerns with Neesmith when you picked him was he's like a younger guy who didn't really get a major sample size from. So you're worried about him maybe defensively. Kispert's not going to kill you on defense and he's an no, older, he's, he's senior. So, and he's like, you said, he's a pretty good on ball defender. So I mean, I, I love the way he plays. He shoots the lights out. It's awesome. It just seems so high in this class to have Corey Kispert where I'm like giving him a rose right here. But you look at after like the top 10-ish, it falls off really hard, like really hard. So in some of the other guys you might be making bets on, like I think Kispert's actually a pretty good option. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Next, we have Franz Wagner, a sophomore forward yeah, out of that's, Michigan. that's how you say that. <laughs> how do you say it? Franz Wagner. He would have never known. He's, yeah, he uh, he's Mo Wagner's brother. Ah, okay. James Booknight, sophomore guard out of Yukon. And Moses Moody, a freshman guard out of Arkansas. You know what, man? Like, I, I love Booknight, and I mean, I, I, he, I would give it to him. But like, you can't go wrong with Moses Moody here. Like you really can't. Like he's, that guy can, I mean, another guy who can really shoot. And I think he's going to be a much better defender than Book Knight is going to be. Like I would, I would give it to Book Knight. He is a bucket. He can score in so many different kinds of ways. He's like, it's funny because you think of him as this like, you know, slasher who can get to the rim and score in all these like creative ways and he can kind of shoot. And then like, he also, he's only like six, five. And he also just gets up and just like throws down these ridiculous dunks too, that you don't always like, you don't always see how like they're violent dunks. Like you don't always (laughs) see those coming. They're really cool. I love Book Knight a whole lot, but like if Grenham happened to be in front of me in line, to give out a rose if that was a thing <laughs> and and he happened to take book night then i would be perfectly happy to give a rose to moses moody moses moody's great fits that you know three and d mold that really any nba team could use this is really hard because i've watched a lot of wagner recently and i think he does make some sense for the celtics it really comes down to what need you're trying to go after like james book is objectively awesome he's a terrific like 
rangy, athletic combo guard who can shoot. And he's a really good slasher and he's pretty active on defense. Like his defensive activity is something I tried to watch a lot of when he came back from his injury and he's pretty good. He makes things happen on the defensive side. So yeah, his ceiling might be a little bit lower than some of the guys in this range, but in terms of this trio, it's about in line with these other guys. So it's really hard. I think I'll give it to book Knight just because I really love watching him play. That being said, Franz Wagner is a good shooter with like really good defensive versatility. I think he could help the Celtics. Very good passer. I don't know. He has the classic that shoot dribble pass skill set and he moves well on defense. I think he's like six, eight, six, nine. Big six, nine. Yeah. So I don't know. That size and skill combo seems like a pretty nice thing to add as a big wing if you're the Celtics. I'll give it to Book Knight just because I think Book Knight is a great offensive piece to have. But I really do like Wagner's game. I think he's come on pretty strong as Michigan has improved over the year. I think all three of those guys are really – I mean, Wagner's like – I mean, you might have been underselling his defense a little bit. He's Very really versatile, good. yeah. His shot came along after he started kind of slow. And, yep. and I, I mean, he's a good free throw shooter too. There's a lot of value there. I, I can definitely see um, – like, that's a good trio. That's a, that's a tough trio of guys. All, all three of them are, are quite good. So, yeah. All right, moving on, we have Jaden Springer, a freshman guard out of Tennessee – I can't wait for this one. Alperin Sengen, a center out of Besiktas. That was a rough pick for me. <laughs> and Dacian Nix, another G League Ignite player. He's a guard. Hmm. So for me, it's it's pretty easy just because I've I've been a huge Jaden Springer fan. I, I really like that kind of mold, kind of like a big, tough point guard. He shot uh, 44% from three this year and, and 80% from the free throw line. So I think he will be a, a good solid shooter in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be like a superstar or like he might not even ever be like a borderline all-star. Honestly, he's, he's I think he's just going to be a good player. You know, when you start to get down into this range, I like that, that relative safety. And, and especially because I think that Springer is going to be a pretty good defensive player too. I mean, yeah, Jaden Springer's great. Sengen's an interesting guy. His scoring's really blown up. Like he's a pretty, pretty solid finisher and, and would be an interesting pick especially for a team like the Celtics, where there's not a whole lot of roster space as their roster currently stands. I, I think I'm going to give it to him just because that would be a fun project to follow. And the Celtics haven't really had a good project for the time being. That being said, like, I do think Springer is going to be a pretty solid defender also. Like I, I do have faith in that side of the ball. I'm not big on Deshaun Nix uh, until at least maybe he loses a little weight and can find a little explosion again. It wasn't like he was bad by any means with the Ignite, but I don't know, like his his defensive tools really need to improve for me. He's got a good handle and he's a really, really good passer, like tremendous passer, but he's not going to concern NBA defenses at all with his lack of explosion. Like they're going to be able to sit back very comfortably against him and wait because he just can't, he has no burst at all right now. So Say he cuts off a little bit of weight and gets some quickness back. That changes my outlook on Knicks a little bit. And he's still a pretty good big point guard. You know, that's solid. But I'll take Sengen just because I think it'd be a, a good project, a fun project to follow, uh, especially if the Celtics roster stays like relatively similar in terms of the amount of roster spots that are open. I really like, like you said, how he finishes around the rim and, mm. and he seems like a he's got a lot of polish in that, in that area of his game, which is impressive for like an 18-year-old. He's just so slow. Like I just Very slow. I, I defensively unless your center is going to be Nikola Jokic I don't love having like a guy who's that slow laterally I don't think Sengen is Nikola Jokic so I don't think he um, is either <laughs> so I, I don't know that I would feel great about that 
at this stage, but he is going to be, I, you're right that he'd be a fun project to keep an eye on because he's, yeah. you know, he's a lot more polished, you know, than a lot of like sort of the, this kind of stiff bigs who get drafted. Like he's not a, uh, he's not like an Ante Zizic type. He's right. much more skilled than Zizic. Also, I have, uh, I have my concerns about his lateral movement. Yeah. And the problem is if you're betting on maybe developing that lateral movement a little bit or working on some defensive quickness, he doesn't have the length that a lot of other guys yeah. at six nine six ten do. And sometimes early in guys' careers, they can rely on that length to help make up for some defensive deficiencies. He doesn't really have that. So that's a concern too. But I, I think he'd be fun again that's a that's an interesting trio of guys but I'll, yeah i'll go with second the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the fed Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Keon Johnson, a freshman guard out of Tennessee. Zaire Williams, a freshman forward out of Stanford. And Sharif Cooper, a freshman guard out of Auburn. Oh, this is a good group. That's a good group. I'm going to go with Keon. I like his versatility on both sides of the ball, and I think that would help the Celtics a lot. He's super athletic. He has a good feel for the game. He's still he's still pretty raw. Like you watch him, it's not that hard to see. But I think he's got a ton of upside. I mean, he had a slow start. I know Tennessee had some COVID issues in the beginning of the year, so you didn't get to see a full sample size early on. And I know he slid down some boards because there just wasn't any video of him. But he's got a he's got a really high ceiling. He's a leaper for sure. He can he can play at the rim easily, especially in transition. Like he's he's just fun. He's quick. He gets a lot of steals. He's good in transition and he's pretty smart off the ball. And I think if he could, if that off ball movement, that off ball play translates to the NBA level, it would definitely help the Celtics a lot. So I like the way he impacts the game, even without a, you know, a relatively reliable jumper at this point. I see at this stage for me, I just have concerns about guards who can't like really shoot at all. Yeah. Like he's very inconsistent shooting. Yeah. And I mean, there's not like, it's not even like he's got like, you know, great free throw where you're like, Oh, you know, he's got good touch. He's like only shooting 70% from, I think from the free throw line. Yeah. Obviously he's fun. Like, you know, like you said, he's, he's a super, super leaper. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff there. I'm, I am tempted to take Sharif Cooper. He's a bucket really, really, really polished. He's, he's really small. Obviously he's, I think he's six, one, six foot, maybe, yeah. maybe he's grown since uh, when I stood next to him at Hoopa, like I would say that six, one, six foot is pretty it's generous. generous. Yeah. yeah. Like, but he's, you know, he, he's super skilled. He's, he's very talented. I think the Celtics would be more likely to take Zaire Williams. He's real tall, you know, like six, eight. We know he can shoot. You know, he, he, I think he'd be like a versatile option. Sharif's just a lot of fun. I'm going to go, I'm going to give my rose to Sharif Cooper just because, uh, I want to have a good time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, I want to have a good time in life. Something about making relationships work uh, after the bachelor. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I could watch Sharif Cooper hoop for a while. So Sharif Cooper's fun. And you're right. He's smart as hell, which helps make up for that lack yep. of size. Zaire Williams would be a guy who fits the Celtics profile. I'm really not high on him compared to a lot of other people. Yeah. Like he's six, eight and has good size for a wing. But he is so not physical, and it drives me crazy how much he shies away from contact. The shot creation at the pro level, I just don't – it's going to take a while to come because it, it, still, it still isn't even there at the college level. He can't really create off the dribble all that well because his handle stinks, and he's not explosive. 
maybe this changes when he puts on some muscle. Cause again, he's pretty skinny, but like you watch him in the half court and he doesn't even sniff the paint. Like it's not even close. And again, maybe he can become a perimeter dominant type guy because he's got a good pull-up jumper and pretty good step back too. So maybe he can rely on that at the pro level. It's not something I'd want to bet on with yeah. a relatively high pick. And he just settles a lot because he's trying to shy away from contact. So I'll be curious to see how he develops, but I totally agree with you in thinking that if the Celtics did have a shot at him, like he would fit the Ainge and co mold quite a bit. Yep. Okay. So next we have Dayron Sharp, a freshman center out of North Carolina, Jared Butler, a junior point guard out of Baylor and Terrence Shannon Jr., a sophomore guard out of Texas Tech. This is a tough crew. This is a it's tough, not my favorite crew. This is a tough crew. Tough crew for the Celtics too. Like from a from a mold perspective, an archetype perspective, you're looking at Terrence Shannon. Like he probably makes the most sense. Do the yep. Celtics need another guard like Jared Butler, who's really good on a really good team? I don't know. I guess I'll go with Terrence Shannon just because yeah. I, they don't need De'Ron Sharp. They definitely don't. And I like watching De'Ron Sharp play, but he like, I don't know. Is Yeah, I, they just don't need him. So I'll go with, Taron Sharp, he's athletic. He's a pretty good slasher. I've liked watching him, and I think he's got some pretty good passing potential too. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, the other thing about Terrence Shannon that I that I really like, I mean, he like he attacks hard. Like he yeah. gets to the rim hard. Um, last year he shot really well from the free throw line. This year he didn't as well. Um, you know, four point three free throw attempts per game is pretty good at the collegiate level. Really, don't think you need a point guard. You might as well go with the uh, you know hope that I mean Terrence Shannon is six six. He's pretty big. Maybe, maybe you can develop him into, you know, into some kind of wing. And I don't think the shot's broken by any means, even though he's not the no. most consistent shooter in the world. So he's definitely the pick here. I feel like if Daron Sharp was entering the draft in like 2002, he might be a much, much better prospect here. But unfortunately for will, him, he's not. I will also say that uh, there's about 10 guys uh, lower on this list who I would take ahead of all three of these guys. So. All right, well, let's get into them. So Kai Jones, a sophomore power forward center out of Texas. Keontae Johnson, a junior forward out of Florida. And Josh Giddy, 18-year-old point guard out of Adelaide, which I believe is a club in Australia. I love Kai Jones. I don't think the Celtics really need someone like Kai Jones at the moment. Maybe if Robert Williams gets traded, they could make a bet on him, but like his jumper is moving in the right direction. He's so long as a lob threat, just from a modern NBA perspective, like he's awesome. He actually this year with Texas, which surprised me a lot, he spaced the floor pretty well, like much better than you would expect for a, a six eleven mobile big man but he's super athletic, man. And like, he moves really well for his size and he's just kind of an energy booster. So yeah, he's still pretty raw and his game is certainly still molding into form. Like he didn't get, at least to this point, he hasn't gotten crazy minutes for Texas. I would have liked to see him play a little bit more. So he's a little underutilized just because they have a really good team, but he's going to be able, even as a raw prospect to provide some really good energy off the bench. And I love watching him play. So I have to give my rose to him just because I love, I love Kai Jones. He's awesome. This is kind of the part of the draft that it, it hurts the Celtics or any team drafting here that some of the like the lottery guys ended up falling off a cliff 
because some of those like better players who we were talking about before would have gotten pushed down yep. because BJ Boston, who I think we're going to talk about, or like, you know, Terrence Clark, who I think we're going to talk about because those guys would have, you know, they would have knocked down your Sharif Coopers or your yep. Dacian Knicks or your Keon Johnsons. And instead like, yeah, we're, we're talking about Kai Jones and, and Josh Giddy. <laughs> I have a tough time with this one because Kai Jones, I, I agree with you that Kai Jones is probably is like the best out of this crew. Keontae's skill level is higher. So maybe I'd go with him, but no, I mean, I, I, no, I'm going to stick with you. Kai Jones is, he's the one that you just kind of know that there's like some potential there. You know that you can build off something there. Yeah. So I, I think, I think I'll go with him too, even though I'm completely breaking every rule I have about um, centers and, and like the Celtics don't need any more centers. But every time I log in to watch a, a Texas game to watch Greg Brown, I'm like, oh wow, Kai Jones is really good. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'd like to watch Josh Giddy a little bit more. I haven't gotten a chance to see a whole lot of him, but I know he's huge. He's big for an 18 year old. Like his frame is really, really promising and he's physical and, and like really, really tough for a guy his age, especially playing over in Australia. So like, that's promising to see. I know he's a pretty good passer, but I I'd like to see more of him because he's definitely like his profile is definitely intriguing. He seems like a bit of a tweener right now. Like I don't really know exactly where he fits at the NBA level, but there's plenty of time, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Next Chris Duarte senior guard out of Oregon, Isaiah Jackson, freshman power forward center out of Kentucky, Davion Mitchell, a junior point guard out of Baylor, and Philip Petrusev, a 20-year-old power forward center out of Mega Bemex. I'm a big fan of, of Mitchell and Duarte, Tom. I don't know how much of those guys you've watched, but especially as the season's gone on with a guy like Duarte, he's suddenly falling into like a three and D category with his defensive activity he forces a lot of turnovers, like very, very good defender. As far as I've seen, he's got good hands on defense too. He's just pretty crafty along the perimeter. Like he's a versatile shot maker is the way I would describe him. So if you can get kind of like that secondary creator in Duarte, like that would be good. He's an older guy. I don't know. I mean, Mitchell is another guy who's a really good on-ball defender. He forces turnovers. Also, very solid passer. I don't know. That's a tough one. Chris Duarte is about to turn 24. Yeah. Three months. He's old. He's old. Out of this crew, I think it would be him for me, though. Again, this is the part of the draft where, like, before the season, like, you know, you could talk to me and Grenham, and we'd be yelling about how great, uh, you know, how, how great this draft class is. And it just hasn't been. Like, it just hasn't been nearly as yeah. good as we hoped. That that's where you end up with Chris Duarte, who is 47 years old, <laughs> who's like going to be drafted at the actual like like his age and his draft position are going to be about the same. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would take him. I would take him here. Davion Mitchell is he's he's six two. Does he look six two? I, I mean, he's I don't know. It's a little generous again. It's a little yeah. generous. I don't think that he's like so skilled that I feel good about taking him there. And like Isaiah Jackson, I took Kai Jones. Like I think Kai Jones is like significantly better than Isaiah Jackson. I agree. I think it's Chris Duarte. It is funny because last year we went into the draft season. Me, like, this draft sucks. Blah, blah, blah. And then I just want to get to 2021 because this draft's so much better when it comes to like depth. Last year's class was so much better, like so much, so much better. Davion Mitchell. Uh, I'll, I'll give him my roles. I mean, my Rose, I said that weird. He's a really good on-ball defender and he's a good finisher, but he is small and he's 22. So there are certainly some concerns there. Like he at the pro level is pretty undersized for the way he plays. Yeah, he's got a nice finishing package, but like, is he going to be able to finish at his size at the pro level the way he does in the big 12? Like probably not. He's 
pretty bouncy in isolation, but I don't think that'll translate all that well. So you'd more so be banking on like his defensive potential, I think. But I, I'll go. I'll go with Mitchell. I like him. The thing that concerns me about Mitchell is that like for him to be successful, he needs to essentially be Peyton Pritchard, right? Because he's that uh, yeah. height, and yeah. he, he does shoot really. You know, he's got good numbers from three. He still can't. He's still shooting real poorly from the free throw line. Yeah. And his previous two seasons from three, he shot uh, twenty eight point eight percent in twenty seventeen eighteen at Auburn before he transferred, mm-hmm. and then thirty two point four percent last year at Baylor. So now all of a sudden he's shooting forty six point two percent while shooting sixty nine percent from the free throw line. Like I just don't know if what I are we buy that. At here? Yeah. Yeah. And he is a solid passer, but if you're banking he's on him, player. yeah. And if you're but if you're banking on him coming into the Peyton Pritchard type form. Like he's not the playmaker right now that Pritchard was at all. So that's definitely a concern. You also need to remember that like he's not the primary playmaker on that team. So we haven't really seen him in that role because he's got Butler alongside him. So that's kind of tough too. But yeah, there's certainly a lot of question marks with Mitchell. Yep. Okay. So last group rounding out the first round. Usman Garuba, a 19-year-old forward out of Real Madrid. Cameron Thomas, a freshman guard out of LSU. And Greg Brown, a freshman forward out of Texas. Yeah, this is a good group too. Cam Thomas is just a bucket and I don't see a whole lot of other stuff there. He's, you know, really got some nice offensive bursts. He's not a great playmaker. I don't really know what his profit looks like. Yeah, he's just like kind of a streaky scorer off the bench. So I won't go with him. Greg Brown, similar to his teammate, Kai Jones, just like stupid athletic for his size. Like so, so athletic, probably one of the best athletes in the class. Honestly, I definitely think he should be a first rounder and he works really hard on both ends. Like he fouls a lot, yes, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, he's not a great passer. He's very, very raw, but I like, again, kind of similar to Jones. Like I like the jumper potential there. He's just like an athlete running around out there right now. Doesn't really have a great feel for the game. Got a lot of similarities to just the way he approaches the college game to the way Rob Williams did. But I like his work ethic much better than I like Rob Williams when he was coming out of A&M. So I'll go with Greg Brown for a similar reason that I went with Kai Jones. I really love watching him play. He's a super, super athlete that I think on a Celtics team where you don't need a contributor right away. Like he's a good bet to make and Garuba would be a good bet to make too. Like he's super strong and, and is playing with adults overseas and he's been pretty solid. So I think those are all fun bets to make, but I'll go with Greg Brown. Yeah. I'm going to go with Greg Brown too. Like you, you mentioned like Rob Williams, the, the Rob Williams comparison, the difference is that Rob can pass and yeah. like Greg, Greg Brown, Brown cannot can do anything. <laughs> like, he can just jump really yeah. high. He might have like a better vertical than Rob. Like that's, that's how crazy his vertical is. Like he's so bouncy and he dunks on people so hard. Uh, I'll I'll go with Greg Brown uh, just because I like dunks. I can see it kind of shine away from the, uh, the guy who literally the only thing he can do is put the ball in the basket (laughs) from like above the basket. Yeah. Yeah. Dunks are fun. Greg Brown's assist to turnover ratio. Not fun. Like not not fun at all. Really, really bad. But when you get down to the bottom portions of this first round, you're going to be taking a gamble. This is where I think a Greg Brown or a BJ Boston or one of those picks just makes a lot more sense than some of their counterparts that are going to be available in the late 20s. That being said, I don't think Greg Brown is going to make it to the late 20s. I think he'll end up going in probably the early 20s. He just makes a lot of sense for a team looking to grab a project. Agreed. That was the top 30 prospects, according to Tankathon. Obviously, like 
all of that is subject to change. We'll probably do a similar exercise in the future, more Celtic centric once the draft gets closer. But one player that I did want to ask you guys about who is outside of this list, he was ranked number 37, is BJ Boston. Because I think heading into the season, he was considered a lottery pick for sure. One of the top five recruits coming out of high school. I mean, do you anticipate him even declaring for the draft still? Do you think he'll try and go back to Kentucky for another year? What's your take on the situation? I think this year is going to be one of the most difficult draft classes to evaluate for NBA evaluators because I think there's going to be a pretty fair number of guys who struggled due to all the circumstances. Like BJ Boston is going to be potentially, I think one of the hardest players to evaluate. I mean, I I thought he was going to contend for like a top three, maybe even like contend with Cade Cunningham. I think there's a tweet out there of mine floating around that like, like I I literally thought that like, you know, that, that he might be the number one pick. So, I mean, if I was a team in the first round, especially late in the first round, if he's still around, I would absolutely take a shot on him. Take a shot on Kentucky guys who underperform. It feels like Calipari is actually like pretty bad at showcasing his guys. Like so many of his guys go to the NBA and are so much better than they were at Kentucky. Yeah, And this year, especially everything fell apart there. And like how much of that, like you can't just blame all of that on the players and you can't blame all of that on the pandemic. Like BJ Boston had a terrible year. Terrence Clark had a terrible year. Cameron Fletcher like announced that he's like transferring. Like it's a mess. Like Kentucky's such a disaster. A mess. Like you look at somebody like BJ Boston and it's like, if you're a team in the, like in the late first round, like, yeah, take a shot on that guy. He Like he was a legitimate top five talent entering this season. Everyone had him in their top five. I mean, I I still think that there's like plenty of potential there. I would absolutely take a shot on him if I was a first round team still. I 100% would too. And it goes back to what we were saying before. Like it just makes, like it makes a ton of sense over the guys who he's going to be in line with who are available later in the first round. Like Chris Duarte is 40 years old. Draft BJ Boston. BJ Boston and Chris Duarte. Yeah, they're, they are in different stages of their lives right now. But, (laughs) but like, When you look at BJ Boston's sample at Kentucky, like he was actually pretty decent in the last month or so. He had such a terrible time trying to acclimate himself to those guard heavy lineups in Kentucky. Like he didn't know what to do when the ball wasn't in his hands when he first got into college basketball. And sure, you look at a guy and say, well, he needs to be more engaged off the ball. He did not know how, like he actually didn't know how. The last month, he started to figure it out a little bit. Like he could shoot off, off of movement a little bit more. Like, he, he had no idea how to do that at the beginning of the year. So his stock plummeted because you're looking at him and you're saying, all right, how is this guy going to play any off ball possessions in the NBA? Like he's not. So when you look at his progression in the last month, I say, all right, he should definitely come back because he's going to make a ton of progressions next year. And he's going to go pretty high in the 2022 draft. I just think from a contract perspective, he might be able to make more money. He's also staring at a lot of first round money right now. So like he's an NBA talent and it's not like NBA front offices don't know that. I do think he'll go. I think there are plenty of benefits to staying, but I think he'll go. And I think someone's going to take a shot at him late in the first round. And again, like he's super talented and I think he could benefit a ton from getting a lot of G league time early on, which I think if he falls into a, a pretty good system where he's not pushed into some pretty decent usage right off the bat, like he could benefit from that a lot, but I don't know. It was ugly early, but I think it did quietly get a little bit better later on. The perfect answer for both BJ Boston and Terrence Clark is to go G League Ignite. It's to just like not go to the NBA, but get some money now, get some guaranteed money now 
and develop yourself at the NBA level. Play with a team where the whole point is to develop you for the NBA draft. Like, like get some real reps. Like, I just think that that would be perfect for him. You have a great season with the with Ignite. Everybody's watching you. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, wow, BJ Boston is back. All of a sudden, you might be looking at lottery money again. And, and you'd be making decent money your first year. Like, I just, I just think that would be perfect. We'll see. Like, I don't know if that's allowed or not. But if it is... Nice From that mindset, say it. Say it's not allowed because again, I also have no idea. I think it is the perfect solution, but I have no clue. Say it's not allowed, and he goes and develops also on a big stage at Kentucky, where there's a lot of eyeballs on him, and he continues his progressions. Do you think he should stay? I really do think if he were to stay, I don't think he's going to, but I do think that if he were to stick around in Lexington, like I think he would make some solid progressions, and I think he would end up being a higher pick in 2022, but easy for me to say I'm not the one turning down money right now I wouldn't feel comfortable going back to Kentucky like I don't know what that team's gonna look like next year if I'm BJ Boston I don't know like people who are coming in like am I gonna am I gonna have like like how's my role gonna look and am I gonna have to adjust to another new role and have to try to learn something new on the fly again if I'm BJ Boston I'm gone and honestly if I'm Terrence Clark I might be gone too like this season was such a disaster Terrence is an interesting case Yeah, so moving on to Terrence, even myself, who has very limited college basketball knowledge, I feel like their situations are different in that I do think Terrence is more responsible for his downfall than maybe BJ Boston was for his. And I know he was injured and he missed a bunch of time because of that, but he definitely has fewer options moving forward, it seems. And I don't think he would get drafted. I mean, maybe like he could get drafted in the second round, depending on the teams, but I think he's in a a much tougher situation, but I think that is also because of his own fault. Yeah, I think I think his situation is definitely different. And again, I think he's a, he'd be a perfect G League guy, um, yeah. G League Ignite guy, if it's possible. And if the G League wanted him, the Ignite seems like pretty set on trying to bring in like the biggest names possible. And like after this season, Terrence Clark won't be like the biggest name possible anymore. Um, his situation is definitely tougher. If I were him, I think I would either try to go explore the Ignite thing. And if that doesn't work, I would probably explore the transferring because he's not ready for the draft. There's no way he gets picked. Maybe in the second round, but at that point you have like, and maybe somebody takes a flyer in the second round on the guy who was supposed to be like a potential lottery pick. But at that stage, you're not a priority for a team. A team isn't going to throw everything it has into developing you. And if they are not going to do that, like, are you, how confident are you that you're going to develop? Like I, I would transfer to another school and try somewhere else. And when I say that, like, I think a lot of his downfall is his part. I think it's like effort and being like, 100%. quote unquote, locked in. So he's going to need that. He's not going to do well if he's just abandoned and like left to fend for himself type thing. He and, and Kentucky is not, Coach Cal can play Mr. Hardass all he wants. They're not held accountable there. He, like, sure, he yelled at Cameron Fletcher and he left. That's great. It doesn't mean anything for his development. Like, that's not going to help Terrence Clark. So either way, he should not go back to Kentucky. Like, if he wants to stick in college basketball, that would be really good for his development. But he needs to change the scenery. Like, it was so bad. When he was bad prior to getting hurt, he was so, so bad. Like, it was really, really ugly. I cannot emphasize that enough. I did not like what I saw from him at all at Brewster Academy in his last year. Like, he would just take five, six possessions in a row off. And that happens a lot with high school players, right? You saw it with Evan Mobley in his senior year. You're playing around guys who just aren't as good as you. That's not really the case at Brewster all the time. Like Brewster is a very talented program. So it wasn't like he was playing with a bunch of 5'11 high school kids. He was playing with D1 prospects and he just wasn't working very hard and he wasn't engaged on the ball or off the ball really. And 
I know he had some problems with that coaching staff up there. Like it wasn't a very pretty situation. And it seems like that just kind of led right into Kentucky and he didn't really make any adjustments and they couldn't help him out. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think if he does get picked, he's going to need to go to a G League program because again, I don't know if the Ignite thing is possible. He's going to need to go to a team that has a serious G League program that's going to kind of stay on him. And do teams really want to do that with one of their draft picks? Do they want to draft a guy who's going to have to be like managed day to day? At least the point. And I'm not saying he's like a total headache and a like a nightmare of a pick, but it's just saying like he needs a lot of work and he's not NBA ready right now. There's there's like NBA stuff to his game. Like he's yeah. he's super athlete. Like he's I I think he creates space really well. And like you know there's potential for him to get to the line quite a bit. Like as a guard, he's he's got really good size for the position that he plays. Like there's stuff there. It's just that like sometimes like like that stuff just isn't put together in a way that resembles an NBA player. And that has been the case. Like you said, I think since his senior year at Brewster, there was the potential for him to like if he had a really good senior year at Brewster. He would have been like the third best prospect, fourth best prospect coming out of his class. Although whatever's going on kind of sorts itself out. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he's super athlete with good size, like when he's on. And he was occasionally early on in the year for Kentucky. He had a couple good games. Yeah, he had a couple good ones. Ton of fun to watch. Ton of fun to watch. So I hope he puts it together too. So anybody who we didn't talk about that you think deserves a shout out, just scrolling through Tankathon's list here, I would like to give a shout out to Yves Pons, who they have ranked 63rd. He is a senior forward out of Tennessee. And I hope the Celtics draft him solely because he was one of Grant's Catan playing pals <laughs> at Tennessee. So it would be nice for them to reunite. But what about you guys? Josh Christopher, I still like him. He's pretty young still. Um, he's not had like the greatest season, but... Um, coming in, he was definitely like a bucket creator, um, Total bucket. just an absolute bucket. And I, uh, I enjoy him. I want to shout out poor Luca Garza, man. Like that guy, <laughs> like they have him at like number 47 here on Takeathon, And that's, that's probably, he's probably about right. But my goodness, that guy can hoop. And like, I just don't know if he's an NBA player. I don't think he probably is, but man, that guy can just hoop. Like he that really poor can. guy, like, I don't know. Like, I like, feel bad too. What more did he have? What more could he have possibly done? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, he has yeah. literally left it all yeah. at his college career. Like he, everyone knew he was going to be national player of the year coming into the season. And he fulfilled everyone's expectations and probably surpassed some his skills. That just doesn't really match the NBA. He's going to make sure he might get drafted late second round bounce around the G league. He's going to make a ton of money in Europe. I can't wait to see him make a ton of money in Europe. Josh Christopher is fun to watch. Like his creation is fun to watch. That being said, talk about a guy who doesn't know what to do when the ball's not in his hands. Oh my no, God, no, no clue, no clue. So yeah, he's like a streaky shooter, but he's a bucket. Like I do like watching him play. Those guys, I feel like the guys who don't know what to do off the ball, like those problems are super emphasized this year because like- 100%. So, so when you talk about a guy like BJ Boston or Josh Christopher, I'm willing to take a flyer on those guys mm-hmm. like and hope that like once everybody's vaccinated and like COVID-19 yeah. is over, they can actually like sit down with a coach and, and, and like watch some film. Like I'm yeah. willing to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. I think that's fair. I also liked Marcus Bagley, his teammate, Marvin Bagley's yeah. younger brother. I, I liked him less as the season went on, to put it politely. But I think his scoring versatility has improved a little bit. I mean, he... He hit threes at a nice rate early on in the season. He's a pretty versatile shooter. Um, Other guys I have on here, Isaiah Livers is an interesting late first round, early second round guy who has kind of come on as Michigan has improved. Like he's a really smart defender and he takes care of the ball. Smart decision maker on both ends. Like I, I do really like the way he plays. 
I think it's important with some of these late first round, early second round guys, someone like a Joel Ayayi for Gonzaga, like the team context is super important. They're both in really good systems. Ayayi is going to be a role player in the NBA. He's a role player currently. So that could maybe help his transition. Isaiah Livers, I'm not really sure. You know, he's a, I think he's just north of 40% as a shooter. He's six, seven. And he's got a good free throw percentage, at least this year. But he's a versatile scorer and a versatile defender. And from a Celtics perspective, I think that's intriguing. So he's a guy late on my first round-ish board, like in that area, who who sticks out a little bit. Those are all good uh, good additions to the conversation. I, the one guy that I wanted to ask you about, I know there's been people who have been like mildly high on uh, David Duke this year. Yeah. And I think you're probably the guy to, uh, to talk about that. So For sure. Like, what do you think about David Duke this year? First off, I think he should go by Dave. I don't think he should go by Dave. He's got it. He's got to <laughs> go by Dave. I've been pushing that. I've been pushing that for quite a while. That is my main adjustment for him. There are some people who are really high on him. Like I, I think it was maybe Chad Ford who had him as like a first rounder. He's not a first rounder. And I don't think he's going to get picked as a first rounder. Like, yeah, size wise and like frame wise, he passes like he's he's good. And he's got an NBA body and he moves really well. But like he's not very efficient at all. He's not consistent as a shooter at all. He makes some pretty bad decisions on the offensive end with the ball. Like he's a good defender. And I think eventually like he's going to be a decent two-way bench player in the NBA. I really do. And I think he's going to leave just because there's not a whole lot of upside to coming back to Providence. Like they're not going to be very good next year. And for his pro stock, like it, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. So I think if you grab David Duke in the early second round and you give him a two-way deal, I think that's a good bet. I really do because again, like his struggles are fixable at the moment. And I think he's made some really nice progressions over the last couple of years. So I don't think he's an NBA player right now, but I think he's he has a solid skill set and a solid outlook to to take a you know a two-way deal bet. Okay. So last thing, are there any teams that you are particularly interested in watching in the NCAA tournament? Bucon's on my radar for sure. Honestly, like Book Knight is a guy who, and I know he fits the Shabazz Napier Kemba mold, so it is impossible not to. But realistically, like that's a team that is coming on pretty strong right now. And he is a guy who, like a prototypical March Madness guy who you could just ride into like the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Hopefully beyond that, I would love to see UConn do that. But he's really fun. And I think RJ Cole's a really good player. I think they have the pieces around him to make a push. Sonogo's playing really better. So UConn is obviously I'm biased from Connecticut, but they're, they're my team to watch for sure. See, my team to watch is the fact is the team that wasn't supposed to be here. Like legitimately wasn't supposed to be here. Oklahoma state. Like, yeah, I'm excited. Like, I know it's, yeah, it's like the number one guy, obviously you're excited to see that, but like, it's just like, they weren't supposed to be in the NCAA tournament this year. And their appeal process seems like it's going to drag on long enough that they're going to be able to, right? They have not made a decision yet. And the appeal process is just being dragged out as long as possible. And the NCAA is a hundred percent doing this shit on purpose. Without but. question, without a doubt. Do you know how many people watch the Oklahoma state games during the big 12 tournament just to watch Cade? Like smart move on their part. Thank you, NCAA. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> for hooking us up with that one. So I'm interested in them. I mean, other than that, like Greta mentioned UConn, I'll be watching them. Um, other than that, it's just, I, I always watch the tournament just like, j- just for the, the prospects anyway. Tom, do you have any, um, Iowa pride? 
no, not, not a say, not an ounce. What my, so growing up, like my dad graduated from UConn. So I was actually a UConn fan growing up. Oh. Um, wow. I, join us. Yeah. <laughs> so I, us. I just never cared about, I, yeah, I mean, I look, I mean, like I, the Kemba Walker year was electric. Like I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm older than both of you. So like, I'm, I super remember the 1999 championship. Like yeah. my dad and I watched that like, like a bunch of times on VHS after it happened, even it was so much fun to watch like Ricky Moore shut down Trajan Langdon. Like that was an electric year. So, so yeah, I mean, I, like, I have no Iowa pride whatsoever. I was never an Iowa fan. Iowa was never good enough to grab me. Shout out to Luca Garza, but he's from DC. So it's not even like, he's like, you know, <laughs> hey, like Luca Garza, like Sioux city like represent like, nah, like who cares? We should just do like a Yukon retrospective episode since all three of us have Yukon knowledge. Cause I like that 03, 04, which year did they both win? The men and the women. That was with, with Ben Gordon and Emeka. That was yeah. 03 or 04. Oh, it might have been 0304. Okay. I mean, obviously in Connecticut, we have no pro sports teams. I mean, people follow the Boston teams or the New York, or the New York teams, but that was like uh, one of my first sports yeah, memories. It was 04. Do you it go was, to the parade? Yeah, it was I awesome. I did too. It was great. I so many games at the Excel Center. <laughs> yeah, like, it was awesome. It's such a great time to be a sports fan in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> the Wolfpack were great. It was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll do a, a full Yukon episode one day. That's but... what the Geno Time listeners are looking for. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, we will be back on Tuesday night to react to the Celtics jazz game. If you have any draft questions, obviously feel free to DM Tom or Chris, and we will talk to you guys soon.